Welcome into the Paul Farrington Show. Paul joined by Robert Ziggy Ziegler at the University of Virginia. And for the first time in a couple weeks, Zach Bloomquist is back in the producer's chair, feeling a little bit better. Zach, thanks for making the trip over oh, yeah. to the studio today. Look, if I fall asleep, it's not because the show's bad. It's that I'm just tired. Yeah, you, I mean, you're entitled you, to that. Yeah, you, you, you don't fall asleep. You just go on hinge. Yeah, yeah I really <laughs> oh, do. Maybe, maybe not anymore. Maybe not anymore. Yeah. But, but we, don't, we don't have to dive into... <laughs> Zach's that's later in the yet. off season that's later off that's like an content. early march conversation that we can have here uh, please remember to like comment and subscribe to the channel we are almost at nine thousand subscribers trying to get to ten thousand by the draft i think that's a good number good target that we have uh, we're going to be breaking down over the next few weeks each division uh each division's teams in the episodes we have coming out so today is going to be the afc west we'll hit one or two big questions for each team we'll recap a little bit of their season and Ziggy has a must-keep and a must-target for each team. So you can have a good idea of what players you'll be wanting, to hold, be wanting to hold on to and which players to go after during free agency. Um, we also have memberships now on our YouTube channel, a couple members, which is very very nice of people to sign up. Uh, what else is there? Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, uh, you know, everywhere, basically, that you could find us at Paul Farrington Show. Trying to think of some housekeeping things to go over right now before we dive into it. And uh, the mailbag. We'll have a mailbag at the end of this episode. And whenever you feel like it, just drop a mailbag question in. We love getting those and answering. It doesn't really matter if it's football or not during the offseason. Preferably some football questions, but uh, we don't mind what what you ask us. questions about us? Yeah, you can ask questions about us too. I mean, for the most part, we live interesting lives at times, but... You know, Ziggy, this weekend I actually went to the stadium series in the NHL. I know we're not an NHL show, but it was in MetLife Stadium. Saw the Devils and the Flyers with our good friend Vince. Freezing cold. Absolutely freezing. Jonas Brothers concert, hockey game. It ends. It's like 19 degrees outside. And Vince and I, you know, Vince has been on this show a couple times, or he's called into the show a few times. Vince and I are both people who would forget where you parked your car in MetLife Stadium. So we walk outside, and I look at Vince and go, Oh my God, do you remember where we were? He's like, mm, I was hoping you were going to say that. We spent about 15 minutes walking around the, the tundra that was the MetLife parking lot before finally finding our car and luckily getting out with uh, you know, mild, mild frostbite on our feet. So it was a uh, scary situation developing in MetLife, but very cool from the NHL, the stadium series. They did a great job. With that said, because Ziggy didn't seem particularly interested in that story whatsoever. Well, we- man, I'm trying my best here, all right? You're... We got kind of cold outside MetLife. You know, you know, people are here to hear about football, Paul. All right. All right, all right. We'll get into the AFC West. We're going to start mm-hmm. with the Met Kansas Life City Stadium. Chiefs. Yeah, it's MetLife football. Stadium. It's football, right? Yeah. It's, it's football. I thought I thought it was fun. Jonas Brothers were good. Yeah. Nobody cares about that. But. Yeah, it was fine. Some dude walks by and he goes, oh, just shoot him already. <laughs> Hockey fans and Jonas Brothers do not seem to mix well. <laughs> okay. So we're going to go Chiefs, then Raiders, Broncos, and Chargers. The order that they finished in the division. Starting. With the Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, 11-6. and six, They hold the 32nd pick in the draft right now. Last year, 14-3. Dropped a couple games to 11-6 this year. Mahomes in the offense, sort of out of sync throughout the entire season. But the defense took a big step forward and carried them for several parts of this season uh, until the offense was able to turn it up a notch and go on the Super Bowl winning run. Uh, now there's a three-peat in mind. People are talking about the first team. I believe it would be the first team ever in the NFL to, to have yeah, so no, the first team in the Super Bowl era, at least I think if you go way, yeah, back. Well, we're not counting. Yeah. We're not counting that. So three P to the Super Bowl. So our big question here, 
And I'm, I'll make it very clear because Ziggy got mad in our group chat when I didn't give him his fair credit. These questions are originated from Ziggy, or at least the intro questions for these uh, topics. How do the Chiefs improve their offense this season, Ziggy? So the Chiefs are faced with an interesting sort of dilemma, right? Because as we saw last season, this team can win a Super Bowl with just an okay Patrick Mahomes-led offense and an elite defense. Crazy. Now, you've only got about $15 million in cap space heading into this offseason. That's not nothing, but a ton of players are leaving on defense, right? Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed, Willie Gay. Like, there are a lot of big-time, crucial free agents. And you can replace those guys in the draft to some extent. But the Chiefs are going to have to make some tough choices. Even if they restructure Mahomes, it's not as simple as go and just get Mike Evans or go and just get a great receiver, a tight end at the top of the draft. So the Chiefs this offseason, I think their fans are going to want them to make a big splash. And you're going to hear about all of the free agents that could go to them. But it's going to be much more about hunting for bargains, getting guys like they did Juju Smith-Schuster a few years ago, who come in on affordable deals, produce well enough, and count on Patrick Mahomes to keep it going. Well, it's funny. You know, we'll, we'll talk about Chris Jones and Ladarius Sneed in a second here. But when you look at the the receiving room, really, because that's where a lot of fans' eyes are going to go. It's one of the premier positions, one of the positions that gets a ton of attention because they're so it's such a flashy position in the NFL. Rasheed Rice was a great breakout for them this year. He played very well throughout much of the, the second half of the year and into the playoffs. I thought he turned into, some people are saying a number one, maybe a number one on the Chiefs, but you know, it's still a startable receiver in the NFL for sure. Um, the Chiefs receiving room, though, had 44 drops this year. It was the most in the NFL. And think about some of the drops they had. Kadarius Toney you know, lost the Lions game with the drop. He was off sides against uh, the Bills. Then Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the drop against the Eagles. That unit cost the Chiefs multiple times down the stretch in big games. So they're trying to look for someone who can come in and make a difference. I don't think that they need, like you, like we you, we were talking about Mike Evans and T. Higgins, who's probably going to get franchise tagged anyway. But those guys, big names, that would be really exciting. They don't necessarily, as you said, need to go down that route because Patrick Mahomes is that good. You mentioned someone that really raised my eyebrows, and I know Zach's going to love hearing this name. So why don't, why don't you tell everyone who, who you have your eyes on for the Chiefs to go after at receiver? So we said we were going to have a target for each team. For me, the most important player for the Chiefs to target this offseason that they can reasonably get is Zach's favorite receiver in the entire NFL, besides any player on the Dolphins, Calvin Ridley. Now, if you're the Chiefs, you're looking oh boy, for a guy. Oh boy. We don't necessarily need the ultimate number one alpha, right? You need a guy who can reliably catch the ball, who can take the top off defenses, yep. who can run routes well. Someone who you can get on a pretty good deal, but who you can count on to be productive. And Calvin Ridley didn't have the flashiest season in the entire NFL this year, right? People didn't talk about him a lot, Except but so. he had a solid season, right? This was a guy the Jaguars were able to go to. He had some really big games. I mean, he put up over a thousand yards, eight touchdowns. No, he did. He did. He quietly had a thousand yard season. But he's not going to be a guy who costs you 25, 20, 30 million dollars a year. Right. He's a prime candidate again for one of those Juju Smith Schuster type deals where yep. the market's not what he wants it to be. He comes in, he takes, say, a year or two, short deal, not a huge rate. And he does basically the kind of deal Odell Beckham Jr. did last offseason. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for him with the Chiefs. It would improve the offense pretty quickly oh, and it'd give so Mahomes good. another weapon. Can you imagine Calvin Ridley on that offense? 
I mean, the thing about Ridley that's nice is, as you talked about, Rasheed Rice broke out. Ridley can line up in a lot of different spots. He can line up in X or in Z. Mm-hmm. So whoever the Chiefs draft and whoever eventually breaks out for them, he'll be able to play around them no matter what. Yeah, now you're talking about a unit with Kelsey, Rasheed Rice, Calvin Ridley. That's all of a sudden a lot more formidable than if you roll out with just Rice and you know you're trying to scrape together. Whoever it may be, what what Tony and Sky Moore right now? <laughs> like it's, Tony's not coming back, so I think that could work for sure on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, Chris Jones and Lejarius Sneed both want to come back. It's almost impossible for them to pull it off right now financially before some cap maneuvering. You know, cap magic is possible in the NFL. But the Chiefs don't do that kind of stuff. They're, I mean, they are thirtieth in cash spending over the past five years. They really don't like to spend money. Well, you have to think they'd prioritize Chris Jones, right? Yeah, I mean, look at how the Kansas City Chiefs have operated. This is why I think Chris Jones is the one player they can't afford to lose this offseason. Agreed. The way they operate, and Steve Spagnuolo has done a great job of this. They love taking corners in the mid to late rounds, and then they just keep cycling them through and let them leave, right? The most recent example of that was Chavarius Ward. Excellent player, right? He left and was very good, but immediately players on the Chiefs stepped up and replaced him. As good as 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 Legereus Sneed was, I don't want to discount it. He was one of the five best corners in the NFL this year. I just can't see him coming back to Kansas City. It's nuts how Trent McDuffie rolls through and all this. It's just great. The Vikings can't find a corner to save their life, and the Chiefs are just rotating guys in and out. Just unbelievable. Sneed said he wants to come back, though. He's saying he's he's saying we need to make it work somehow. I mean, all these guys, it's kind of cool about their dynasty right now is that everyone's bought into it. You know, I know that Chris Jones was holding out for a while, but it seems like everyone is really all in on, hey, let's just keep going. You know, the, why, why stop the party? Um, I, I have a feeling they might be able to make it work. I will say, though, you are um, you're you're I think you're overselling a little bit. Right. So, yeah, he says he wants to come back, but he's also going on uh, <laughs> Kay Adams saying, hey, Brett Veach, pay me, pay me. I mean, right? look, so, like, of course, he wants money, but I think they I think ideally they, he wants to come back. I think he does, but realistically, I think the Chiefs are not going to offer him a top-of-the-market contract. He has earned a top-of-the-market contract, as nice as it would be for him to stay. You know, what he is is he's a number-one corner. Chris Jones is one of the best pass-rushing defensive tackles in the history of the game. You have to prioritize Jones if you're forced between them. Well, and right now, they only have Neil Farrell Jr., who he contributed for 62 snaps in 2023. That's all they have on the the interior of their defensive line right now if the season started today. So it's it's already a position of need. Plus, you have one of the best guys in the league, a huge difference maker, and one of the best playoff performers that we've seen at the position too. Think about all the big plays he made in the Super Bowl. A couple plays uh, where Purdy got hit, right? You know, And if you don't make that have that pressure, Maybe you're completing the pass. I know there was one. I can't remember. I keep forgetting who it was to down the sideline um, late in the game. But well, Chris Jones has been huge, yeah. You just think about it. How many players are there in the NFL on the interior defensive line that consistently get to the quarterback? Like Aaron Donald, yeah, like Quinnen Williams, yeah. Dexter Lawrence gets pressures. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is very good. Chris Jones is better than almost all. Of those no, it's, it's like Donald and Chris Jones are the guys that always stick out, come to mind. You know, Quinnen Williams is great as well. Um, but yeah, he's irreplaceable. So I expect him to be back in Kansas City. Okay, let's go on to the Raiders, who came in second. Kind of surprising that the Raiders came in second in the AFC yeah, West. This I year. mean, yeah, I mean, they had such a great late season surge, right? Because they were sort of out of the playoffs, 
people didn't pay attention to this, but over their last six games, their point differential was, I think, what it was like plus 63. Well, yeah. I mean, when you beat someone 63 to 21, no, sure. Times. But like, what did they do? They lost to the Vikings by a couple points. They beat the chargers. They beat the chiefs close loss to the Colts. They beat the Broncos. Yeah. Like they, those, I'm not saying those were the best teams in the NFL, but like the chiefs, Colts, Broncos, Vikings, those were all solid. I mean, they teams. ended with three division wins. Three division wins right there. They, so it's go from six and eleven to eight and nine. The the big story for them is Josh McDaniels was fired eight games into the season. Shocker that uh, <laughs> that that came to an end. And Antonio Pierce wound up taking over as interim head coach. Jimmy G was benched. Aiden O'Connell in. The defense surged late in the season. I mean, some of these numbers here on the defensive side of the ball from week nine through the end of the year. The Raiders led the NFL in fewest points per game allowed, most defensive touchdowns, fewest penalties, and the third most sacks. So, you know, they they rallied around this guy. Max Crosby said he'd request a trade if Antonio Pierce wasn't promoted to head coach. And to some degree, I do think Mark Davis listened to his players and and wound up promoting Pierce for that reason. Um, We'll see if it comes back to bite him. You know, the guy had no head coaching experience before. But it was a group. He was a guy that everyone was able to rally around, and now they bring in Tom Telesco, who you said has the greatest agent in the history of sports, potentially outside of maybe Kirk Cousins, who somehow lands another gen- GM job. Um, and and here you have a Raiders offseason that's going to be highly focused around what to do at quarterback. So with Jimmy G, he's he's going to be gone. He's suspended two games, cost himself twelve million dollars, as as you noted. Yeah, the the Raiders, I haven't seen many people say this. The Raiders got a nice little gift of this Jimmy G PED suspension because <laughs> he had a $12 million salary guarantee this year. And now because of the PEDs, that just disappears. So the Raiders just freed up $12 million in cap space overnight. Yeah, not, not, a bad, uh, not a bad situation. So with them picking at 13th in the draft right now, if you were Las Vegas, you can't really roll out with O'Connell next year, or at least just him. So are you looking to make a move in the draft or would you focus your attention on a, a free agent? The Raiders have two possibilities this offseason. And really, I think the player it comes down to and what he wants to do is Devontae Adams. There's two ways I can see this offseason going. One is, you know, Garrett Wilson changed his number from 17 to 5. They are clearly courting Devontae Adams to go reunite with Aaron Rodgers in New York. <laughs> the Jets are desperate enough to make a trade. But I don't think that's what this team is going to do because this team is ready to compete, right? You've got Adams, obviously, but you have Max Crosby, one of the best edge rushers in the league. You've got some decent weapons in Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, right? You know, you could possibly bring back Josh Jacobs. Michael Mayer was good. Yeah, he was all right. If I'm the Raiders, my number one free agent target this year and the way that I see their offseason being centered around is actually Kirk Cousins. This. This hasn't gotten a ton of traction, but the Raiders have a decent offensive line. They could have a strong offense. And look, this team is so tired of mediocrity. And I really doubt that Antonio Pierce wants to tear it all down and rebuild. Going for recruiting him. Devontae was going after him. Yeah. I mean, getting Kirk Cousins to the Raiders gives you a functional offense, arguably a very good offense. There's a lot that could happen. And there are a few stars on defense that you hope continue to develop. Can they afford Kirk? Sure they can. Jimmy G, with Jimmy G gone now, his cap number disappears. They've got like 60 million in cap space. Just sign Kirk to one of those $40 million guaranteed deals that he loves. You know, I, again, 
like, am I saying that they're guaranteed to get him? No, there are certainly some well, roadblocks. Yeah. But the Raiders have they there's some they can sell it. Well, right. This, they this have this is the pitch. first time really that the team has had a solid defense going into or at least you're hoping to have a solid defense going into the season in a long time. This was the fifth time since the NFL expanded to thirty two teams in two thousand two that the Raiders ended in the top half of defenses in the league. <laughs> like, which is kind of crazy to think about how often we turn on the Raiders and see them just getting absolutely scorched. They're just the past couple of years, they've been horrendous on the defensive side of the ball. This year, they have a little success. So if they're able to, yeah, continue um, Tyree Wilson, you know, if he's able to improve a little bit on the edge, they are able to go out and get a couple guys in free agency. With that offense, I don't think Josh Jacobs will be back. It's just, you're not going to pay him that money. He averaged three and a half yards a carry this season. It wasn't the same guy that you saw a year ago. And Zamir White came in and played fine in back in uh, yeah in fill in roles. But I do think you get another running back in the draft. You have White. The receiving core is there. Yeah, Kirk Cousins would be awesome to come in. And you need a quarterback in that co- in that conference to compete for a playoff spot. So I like it. I like it, Ziggy. Who's your yeah? Um, I mean, who's your must keep? So. Assuming that this is how things go for the Raiders, there's a, again, who they need to keep depends on how the off season goes for them. Right. But if I'm the Raiders, like my big concern, again, we're, we're assuming they bring in Kirk cousins, right? Well, if you bring well, in, I mean, that that's a huge assumption. Let's, well, but here's finish your thought. Go ahead. Go ahead. If the Raiders aren't able to bring in Kirk Cousins and have to like let Aiden O'Connell roll out or draft a rookie quarterback, there aren't any relevant free agents, right? Because the team's just rebuilding. Everything that's going to be relevant turns around the draft. Assuming they want to compete next year, though, Andre James is the player they've got to bring back. He had a great year last year. Um, he had his best year as a pass protector and as a run blocker. He's only 27. Like center is one of those positions that I think very often gets ignored in the NFL because on the outside, you know, it seems like it's just another interior offensive line position. But in these offensive systems that are starting to take over the league, the center is the one responsible for identifying blitz packages. The center is the one responsible for figuring out who needs to block where and exactly how things are going to be handled because the quarterback has to orchestrate a whole offense around them now, right? With all the motion and pre-snap movements. So getting, you know, center is an important position. Rodney Hudson, obviously, he was good for the Raiders, but they traded him away. I would not be comfortable starting a rookie center on the Raiders this year. Yeah, no, I mean, rookie center, never ideal. I'm trying to think about this quarterback situation because I don't I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to go to the Raiders, even though it is enticing. You know, if, it's not so if location. it's if we're so again, like the only other real free agent of note is Josh Jacobs, right? Here's like a player that's a pseudo free agent that I think they need to keep, Devontae Adams. Well, yeah, I mean, if they get rid of Devontae, that now we're talking about, you could, like, if the, if the well, Raiders go and make a move for a rookie, is that's not the worst case scenario here. They just, you just, they just need someone that they like. I, I yeah. highly doubt they trade up to three, being at thirteen right now, because um, that seems to be the most likely possibility of going to get one of those top guys. But if they're in love with Penix or Bo Nix or McCarthy, you know, I can, I can see. I can see one of those guys being drafted. Yeah, but that means they're unlikely to have much success next year. That's just how it is. Do you think that team's right? I guess it is. If it, 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 the defense shows up again, that team with a good quarterback can compete, yeah. Again, do they win a Super Bowl? Not necessarily, but keep in mind what the standards are for the Raiders, right? We're not talking about the Green Bay Packers here. Sure, yeah. Making the playoffs and winning a playoff game 
but it'd be a pretty good year for them. But that's why I'm saying, do you really want to go after Kirk Cousins for you know maybe two years or so of Kirk when the roster around him, you're probably not going to win right now. Why not you're, try and get your guy, young guy, to, so that you can build up and have a window in like two At a certain years. point, the Raiders need to win games, right? They've been in Las Vegas for a while and haven't done anything. They have that. a lot of players who are ready to win now. All right. right, like Devontae Adams is ready to win now. Max Crosby's Crosby's ready to win. Now. Ready to win yep. now. No, so you, I think it's a fair a fair point. It's I'm just super saying. easy to say, like, let's just draft the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the draft and hope they're good. But when you have an opportunity with a team that's hot with a lot of veterans that want to play with a coach they believe in, you just don't get a lot of opportunities like that. And letting it pass, resetting the window, and again, hoping that the fifth best quarterback in the draft yeah. is good. I don't know. And look, if, if they do, let's say they do bring in Kirk and have a have a couple good years, then you're probably in a good spot to blow it up when Adams is on his way out. Crosby's probably declining a little more. Yeah, Kirk doesn't sign the deals that cripple teams, right? He signs two-year big money guaranteed deals. He's amazing at it. <laughs> okay, let's go on to the Broncos. They were 8-9 and nine as well this year. They have the 12th pick in the draft. Broncos have missed the playoffs for eight straight years after winning the Super Bowl, which is Kind of crazy to think that, you know, the Broncos have a pretty high standard in Denver of being one of the better franchises in the NFL. Uh, they've lost eight straight games to the Raiders. This year, they finally broke a 16-game losing streak to the Chiefs. I mean, big struggles in the division. And as far as I, as far as I saw, they're $24 million over the salary cap right now. They're, they're heavily over the salary cap at the moment. It's not really one of the teams of the most desirable situations in the NFL at the moment. And I love your question, similar to what, what we just talked about with the Raiders. You said, WTF, do you do it quarterback if you're a Denver Broncos fan right now? Because Russell Wilson expects to be cut in March. Jarrett Stidham is just not going to be the replacement. And do you really want to roll with one of those free agents? You could go after a Mitch Trubisky, a Sam Darnold, a Jacoby Brissett. But that's, I mean, that's just, you know, that's not going to work out. You can have Tua. Yeah, yeah, go, go. You can have Tua. Um, yeah. I've seen Mac Jones mentioned. I've seen Justin Fields mentioned. Jimmy G, one of the rookies. What What do you like if you were GM right now? If you're George Payton, what are you doing? It's so tough to find ways to improve this team, right? <laughs> You've got a solid offensive line. You've got decent receivers, though Jerry Judy's on the last year of his deal. You've got a defense that was horrible for much of the year with a few good performances. And if you're letting Russell Wilson go, you know, he's not getting traded for the first round draft picks the Broncos paid to get for him, right? He's getting nope. cut for nothing, maybe traded for a conditional seventh if there's a team that really likes him. So you don't have a lot of options. I think the Broncos' best option really is trying to trade to the top of the draft, give up whatever you have to, hope that Sean Payton's able to develop, you know, whether it's um, Jaden Daniels or Drake May or whoever you're able to get at like that number two, number three spot see what you're able to do. But the free agents are incredibly <laughs> uninspiring. They simply don't have the money, I think, or patience to sign Kirk Cousins. And otherwise... No, they don't have the money. Like, what, what are you going to do? You, you know, you mentioned Jimmy G. He's one of the better free agent targets. He was terrible last year. I mean, some people talked about Justin Fields. Would you Could you trade for him? He could, but Justin Fields is bad. <laughs> like, the, Justin there, Fields again with Sean Payton. I've seen some people say Baker Mayfield or Tannehill. May, Baker's going to go back to Tampa. I'm quite confident in that i'm not really i think there's a chance he will but baker mayfield could be getting a way bigger deal than people think this offseason i would not be surprised to see baker mayfield sign an 80 million dollar contract 
I'm not sure the Buccaneers have the stomach for that. Well, we'll get the we'll get the Baker in the NFC South. Uh, you know, but again, like none, you know, you list those guys. None of those guys are all that exciting, right? No, Baker no, Mayfield's not taking you to a Super Bowl. Fields, Fields, I think could get the fan base excited a little bit with Sean Payton, but I, I doubt it would work out. That's where do you really want to throw in all your marbles again? Like push, push in your chips on a top three selection in the draft right after it backfired so much on the Wilson trade. I mean, that's sort of what the NFL is about is people are just afraid to make risks these days. Uh, but really the teams that hit on these quarterbacks are the ones, you know, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Mahomes. Those are the teams that you see competing for the Super Bowl year in and year out. It's just if this didn't work, now we're talking about a Broncos team that is really, really set back if they go from 12 to 3 and, and fail. Yeah, but at a certain point, like I've said, I mean, you need action, right? This Broncos team simply has to do something. And I'm just not getting the sense that Sean Payton is content to ride it out with some mediocre quarterback, miss the playoffs for another year, and try and move on. I mean, last year was a disappointing humiliation for Payton and Broncos fans alike. You know, but the thing, when I look at Denver, and it's a little different from... Vegas has some pieces in place that I really like. They have a few superstars on both sides of the ball, as you said, that are ready to win right now. Denver, I see Patrick Sertain on defense. And, you know, there's a couple other guys there. And on offense, I'm really not in love with anybody. Cortland Sutton and and Judy are are okay threats at, at receiver. I'm not sure that the best thing for this team isn't to just sit tight at 12, get the best defensive player available or the best player available who falls I've seen a lot of people. Um, a lot of people have mocked uh, who who is it? Uh, Terry and Arnold, the Alabama cornerback, to them because they, they need a lot of help at corner too. They need a pass rusher, and in this draft where they're picking, there should be somebody. I'm not sure that the the best case scenario for for Denver isn't continue to rebuild and have a little patience here, as opposed to push all your chips in on a quarterback who would be going into a kind of tricky situation. That, that's where I fall with Denver. I, I would I would stand pat. I know it's kind of boring. But for them, the best decision might be, you know, roll out with one of those backup quarterbacks or or someone. You know, maybe Jim, maybe it is Jimmy Garoppolo it would suck, but I don't know if the team is ready to go in. And that's kind of cowardly, as I'm saying it. I hear it, but I don't. That, that's sort of what I'm feeling with Denver. There's so many holes on that team. Yeah, it would be short sighted, I think, to try and move up and get a quarterback. But they're certainly going to be sending out feelers. Because really, the alternative probably is Jameis Winston. I mean, Sean Payton it's, it's liked Winston. Situation to be no, it's the Russell Wilson deal. Deal wasn't a huge failure. It really set this team back for a long time, and Mac it's going to be a long road. Some out. people said Mac Jones as well, but Mac Jones is. And I'm not trying right? to this sell is, Mac Jones on you. I'm just saying. No, no, but saying Mac Jones. No, I understand. I'm just again the types of quarterbacks. I think Jameis Winston, Mac Jones, and Gardner Minshew are sort of the best quarterbacks they could hope to get outside the draft. That's bad. Yeah, I, I think what could work for them, and this is kind of a little risky, but if you go with the defensive player twelve, and then hope, and then see if one of those other three quarterbacks fall and gets into the twenties, then maybe you trade up and take a swing on one of them. That might feel a little. I mean, I would feel a little better about that than mortgaging the future for Jane Dan. I mean, these guys have question marks. All of them do. And Denver just seems like they're one big mistake away from really, really imploding even more, <laughs> which is somehow could be possible. Uh, okay, let's uh, before we move on to the Chargers, who's your must-keep and must-target? 
So must target for me, you've mentioned two big needs for them, cornerback and pass rusher. I actually believe in Baron Browning, I think, a lot more than the average NFL fan. So I think edge rusher is less. Baron Browning is a lot more than the average NFL fan. (laughs) I think he's going to have a real breakout year. So Broncos fans watch for that. So for me, I think their biggest need going in this offseason besides quarterback is cornerback. The player that I think they've got to get if they're able to get him. Chidobi Awudzi from the Bengals. He's good. He seems very unlikely to re-sign. He's one of those, you know, he's not a lockdown elite corner one. But you don't need that if you're the Broncos. What you need is a reliable player who can step in, move Riley Moss down to cornerback three. Because you don't want him starting for you. And someone who can just match up next to Pat Sertain and be pretty good. He is exactly that guy. And if you get so, a few pieces in, on defense in free agency, then maybe you're a little more inclined to take a swing on a, an offensive player in the draft. I don't think that's how they should be thinking about Probably it. Not, but, but I mean, the defense, the offense is so much better than the defense in this draft. I mean, this is a terrible year to need defensive line. There are no defensive line prospects I unequivocally believe in, and none are going in the top 10. For a team that has their two two huge needs at edge rusher and interior defensive line, that's not the news you want to hear, but it's just true. Then you talk about the player they need to keep, and Broncos fans are not going to want to hear this. I know they're going yeah, they're to be angry. I'm preparing for the comments. Again, this is more of a fact that the Broncos don't have any enormous free agents coming up than the fact that this player is really good. But I do think oh, if I were the Broncos... Walking it back a little bit. No, if I'm the Broncos, there's a player that I really do want to keep, and that is Lloyd Cushenberry. Now, look, is he the best player in the entire NFL? No, but he is an elite run blocker and a solid pass blocker at an important position on your offensive line. I know it's disappointing. This is like two times in a row I've picked center. But like, what, am I going to pick Will Jordan Humphrey? I saw, I Will saw a Lutz? subreddit today of Broncos, uh, from Broncos Nation, and... Broncos country. I'm sorry. I know that that's a big. What's right? Yeah. And uh, I Lloyd Cushenberry's name came up, and everybody wrote, "God no, let this guy go. God no, let this guy go." But yeah, that's exactly what you think until you have a bad center, right? He is a decent (laughs) player, and he's probably going to sign. I mean, my guess is he signs for like three years, seventeen to eighteen million a year. He's going to have a nice payday. The Broncos should be the one who give it to him. (laughs) Man, yeah, they're not going to be happy about that. But you're right. When you have a bad center, it sucks. So we'll see. Oh, what you and I, you and I know that better oh, than anyone. Dude, we, of course we do. Of course we do. Chargers were five and twelve, stunningly, for for the expectations they had coming into the season. Really, this whole division the past two years has kind of just absolutely sucked compared to what you were hoping for. They're picking fifth overall in the draft this year, uh, and you know they went from ten and seven to five and twelve. Brandon Staley was fired. Finally, it felt like for Chargers fans, a huge sigh of relief after a 63-21 loss to the Raiders in Week 14. I remember seeing updates on that game. Just absolutely blown away by what was happening. And uh, the defense finishes 24th in the league. They go ahead and bring in Jim Harbaugh. Justin Herbert also had a season-ending index finger fracture. They bring in Jim Harbaugh, Greg Roman now as the new offensive coordinator to try and fix the problems that they had on that side of the ball. They uh, they have Austin Eckler as a potential free agent, Gerald Everett, Kenneth Murray, Elohi Gilman, to name a few. Uh, probably looking to extend Rashawn Slater during the year, um, during the offseason. So where does that leave us with the Chargers? This team has gaping holes on defense. You go up and down it. Despite some star power name, 
there are a lot of issues on that side of the ball. They're probably going to need to make some moves at receiver if they let go of Mike Williams. As I said, Eckler's already probably on his way out the door too. So what what's the first, you know, you, your question was, what can Jim Harbaugh do to be competitive uh, next year as he tries to turn it around with so many holes to fill? Where would you, what would you address first? For me, I think the best thing for the Chargers to do is to give up on being competitive next year. <laughs> I know that's tough, but you look at the contracts they have and the situation they're in, and there's so much they need to do, right? They're projected $35 million over the cap. Now, you roll over some cap space, that's going to go down to more like 29 or 30 but they need to let Khalil Mack go. They need to let Joey Bosa go. They need to let Corey Lindsay go. I think he's probably going to retire after no, his Lindsay heart injury. restructured his contract. Oh, they're keeping today, him today. That happened today. Oh, well, then he's yeah. recovering. I guess I thought honestly, I thought after that heart issue, it was unlikely he was ever going to play again. No, no, that I really hope very, he comes back because he's yeah. big. They need to let, as you say, Mike Williams go, and that's just a lot that needs to be done. And you know, it's not oh, like Joey Bosa power. and Khalil Mack have had great had a great year last year. It's not like Mike Williams had a great year last year, but there's a lot of guys they need to move off. And then you know they've got big deals coming up, right? Rashawn Slater, Asante Samuel. Like some of these players are going to need a lot of money. So if I'm the Chargers, my goal is to try and sign guys. You know, you don't want to go out and do what you did with cornerback in the past with I'm not even going to mention his name because Chargers fans, I think don't <laughs> want to hear it. You don't want to repeat that mistake with luxurious need, right? Sign a guy who is elite somewhere else to some big money just to watch him suck with you. The tough thing about the Chargers, though, is that when you have one of those guys like Justin Herbert, it hurts to, to just watch a year go by. It hurts. No, so here, yeah. Right. Like, isn't that yeah. how you would so feel? Here's, yeah. So here's what you need to do. You need to say, Justin, we're bringing in a guy who can give you a run game. We're going to hope he doesn't, Lamar Jackson, ruin your passing ability. We're going to do our best to build a functional defense, and you're going to show us that you deserve the giant contract we gave you. So here's what we're going to do, right? We're going to sign some productive defensive players, right? We're going to bring in guys like Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith. You know, not the best players at their position, but guys who Dude, can Daniil Hunter is right up there as one of the best guys. At, at He's that just position. not. He's not he going to sign does. a top-of-the-market contract. I get that he had a lot of sacks this year, but he did not have a... He had a good season, not a great season. Yeah, I'm not saying these guys are garbage, but we're not talking about bringing in, like, Brian Burns from Carolina, right? <laughs> Daniil Hunter's getting a big contract, Ziggy. Daniil Hunter's getting surprised. a big contract. But okay, no, I see what you're saying. With with you know, guys like Micah Hyde, like just bring in players you can play, add cheap, effective guys on the offense. You know, guys like Noah Fant, um, Tyler Boyd. Little money ball action. Yeah, I mean, we're what we're trying, and then invest in some big offensive player at the top of the draft, right? Hope maybe you can get Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe you can get Brock Bowers. Like there are a few players up there that I'd be interested yeah, in drafting. I, I'm thinking. Where are they? They're fifth right now. I'm anticipating that they're going to take Malik neighbors. That's another great pick, right? You can take whatever, whatever wide receiver you like. That's a fine pick. Brock Bowers is a fine pick. Like there are a few good guys up there. I know it's heavily contested amongst Chargers Chargers fans right now. They they do not want Bowers at five. I know know that, you know, Bowers is an unbelievable talent coming out the position, but again, tight end is not a premium position in the league. 
We've seen what can happen when teams take a tight end very high in the draft. And don't, have a cord- and don't have a coordinator that will actually use them. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying, Malik Neighbors fills in that receiver position. I mean, are you going to try it out next year? Your receivers would be Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer, and Quentin Johnson. And I don't want to no, say... I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd bring in a guy like Tyler Boyd, too. Sure, sure. Okay, okay. Man, neighbor, yes, neighbor, I would so be comfortable. People so high on neighbors. They should watch some Brock Bowers tape. I mean, okay. it's been. We very rarely see tight ends that can do everything. And you look at the Greg Roman offense, right? They have to hope the Greg Roman thing works out. Having a tight end who can block, who can run fast, who can separate. I mean, he can he 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 will blow up a defensive end on one play and then burn a linebacker on the next. There are very few guys like that in the NFL, and so having good in, tight are you ends. In the Chargers should draft Brock Bowers camp right now. I think they should strongly consider it. Like, let's say it goes three quarterbacks: Marvin Harrison Jr. Right now, I put Robert Ziggy Ziegler on the clock for the Los Angeles Chargers. I am more impressed by Brock Bowers than either of the wide receivers available over Joe Alt too. Yeah. I've got some problems with Joe Alt. I get that he's a Notre Dame guy and I respect him. And plus you have left tackle locked up. Uh-huh. It makes me a little bit less worried. Okay. Look, I, I I need to watch a little more tape on Bowers. I know that from what I've seen, dude looks unbelievable, but Chargers fans, they, they seem to really not want him or a lot of them don't. So leave it. If you're a Chargers fan listening, let us know in the comments section, what you would preferably do at five. If it goes the three quarterbacks and Marvin Harrison jr. Like we're expecting, who who would you take as of February 20th right now? I'm just saying Brock Bowers is going to run under a 4-5 at the Combine. Combine, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the numbers that people put up there. It always amazes me how much things change. It doesn't It doesn't even match. Combine numbers don't even match up that well to NFL play. <laughs> no, I know. But it's just it's so much fun to watch some of the best athletes in the world just do athletic testing and be in awe of what these guys can do. It is funny though. I, I'm trying to think of what did I just watch with someone, someone doing his uh, his combine training. The numbers are just okay, but I can't remember who it was. I was I was watching something recently, but yeah, you see these guys go in the combine, and if they don't perform to a certain degree, it's like, oh man, they're gonna drop down the boards. Like, can you can we ever just draft players who are good at football? This is what the Rams did that was so incredible, and why they keep hitting on guys in the late rounds. They said, "Who cares about forty times? What we should care about is how fast they actually are on." Oh, it's like Puka. I think it might have been Puka. It might have been Puka. There's a little video that came out with McVeigh in the war room on draft night, and it's crazy to me. I remember sitting back at a restaurant during the Tyron Matthew draft when he fell into round three. Yeah, there were character concerns, but. Tyron Matthew was up for the Heisman. Watch the guy play football. Clearly, he makes plays. It it made no sense with the Vikings trading back and taking Lewis Seen instead of instead of going for Kyle Hamilton when he was there. Like, don't, don't, draft don't. guys who are good at football. It, it doesn't have to be that hard. That's what the Eagles did, and it led them to a Super Bowl run, basically. Like, you're good at football. Jalen Carter, draft the good football player. It makes no – I get so mad about this. Before we go too far, I do want to say the must-get and must-keep yeah, yeah, for I'm the sorry. Chargers – no, you're good. I've said his name a few times. I think a must get for them. You'd love to have T. Higgins, but T. Higgins is too expensive and he's not available. Yep. So take the next best Bengals receiver available in Tyler Boyd. He's one of those guys who's peren- yeah. he's perennially underrated because he doesn't put up huge numbers because he's the wide receiver three. But this is a guy who's a nice, solid, consistent receiver for Cincinnati. He doesn't get hurt very much. He plays hard. He catches the ball. 
ask Chargers fans what they want in a receiver, and they will tell you the answer is basic competence. <laughs> he will deliver you basic competence. And a player they must keep, not a guy who gets a lot of attention outside of Los Angeles, I think, but Gerald Everett is a pretty important player for this team. He's not the best tight end in the league or anything, but again, he catches the ball. He brings in a few touchdowns every year. He can block. There's always a few plays where he just breaks three or four tackles and goes for a long run. Like this is just a nice, solid, productive weapon that you can get for cheap. And the Chargers need that as much as they can. Gerald Everett is always the guy when you need someone on your waiver wire in fantasy that he's the top projected tight end of the week. Then you go, ah, do I want to take him? Or And you look down and you're like, eh, yeah, there's really no one else here. So I'm going to roll with Gerald Everett. And you hope that he has you know, one of one of his games where he puts up 60 yards and a touchdown. And uh, generally speaking, though, he's, he's yeah, he's a really good player. Yeah, I mean, he's not, again, he's not putting up 1,000 yards, but he's good for 500 yards and a handful of touchdowns. That's he's not good, bad. He's good to fill in. He's good to fill in. Yeah, he's, he's a solid player. Okay, let's do a little bit of mailbag questions, and then we'll get out of here. So that was your AFC West sort of recap and preview. We're kind of just trying to touch on each of the teams. It helps us to to get a, a better grasp of the teams that we may not have covered on as much over the past month and a half. Oh, yeah. I mean, all I can say is this. Uh, if you, you know, over the years, there have been a lot of reports that this is finally the year that the Chiefs are going down, right? We saw that after the Russell Wilson trade. We saw that going in this season with Justin Herbert and the Chargers. It's, I don't know when the year of the Chiefs failing will be. I feel like it'll be like the Patriots and Brady, where there's one random year they go 11 and five and miss the playoffs. Otherwise, the Chargers are winning this division for the next, or the Chiefs are winning this division for the next 15 years. Their stranglehold has been absurd on that division. It's been for a long time, too, even going back to Alex Smith days. Okay, the mailbag here. So, Daisy Courtney, 100, says, What position do the Vikings need to target in this year's draft? And do you trust Quasi to make the right decisions? Well, the two that stick out to me, Ziggy, are defensive line. I'm going to combine edge rusher and defensive tackle, and then quarterback as well. I don't expect, unless the Vikings move up, I'd be really surprised to see them take a quarterback at 11, whether it be Penix or Bo Nix or um, McCarthy. So if they do move, I I have lurking suspicions that they are really into Jaden Daniels just from the way they've acted in the past couple drafts, the way they studied him this year. Something, I have a gut feeling that they're going to make a big move up to three or try at least to go after Jaden Daniels. If not, I can see them sitting back, and e- even Terry and um, Terry and Arnold, the cornerback, I could see that as another thing. There's so many needs on the defensive side of the ball, um, but yeah, right can, now can, I have to can go. Can I just say best defensive rusher. player available? Yeah, right, right now I take best defense. Yeah. Interestingly, I don't think defensive line is as much of a need as you. I think defensive line is a big deal, but for me, one thing I'd really like to see them do is just get. I just want to see them get faster at every single position. You know, there were so many plays where it felt like, you know, for his runs as defense, it's important to have guys who can move around a lot where it felt like so many players had lost a step at basically every position. What I, I, I'd again, love to have, I'd love to have just a, a freak linebacker. I've been waiting a long time for them to do that. I know this draft isn't really loaded up. That on, might be on that besides position. star quarterback. That might be the most fun player to have. Oh, when you just have team. someone who could blow up. Yeah. This draft doesn't really have that. So, uh, 
I'm thinking they're looking right now at uh, the UCLA kid, maybe versed. Uh, it's versed, right, from Florida State. Yeah, but every defensive line. This is a terrible year for defensive line. Yeah, I, I think they're going to – I know that they're talking about Brown um, <laughs> as well but from Texas. No, so. Yeah, it's – you're right. I mean, we can't let Harrison Phillips be the only good player on our defensive line. Yeah, if they don't bring back Hunter now, we're talking about a, a depleted unit. So I, I think D-line is probably going to wind up being the position they go with. Um, but quarterback's the one that I have my eyes, my eyes. And, on. you know, there's been a lot of hate for Casey Adolfo Mensa, but like, I don't, I'm not saying he's done a great job, but I oh, haven't seen yeah. any indication that he's done a bad job. Do I, I trust mean, he, no, I absolutely don't trust Quasey. Not well, at all. What, yeah. That thing. I what think has that's he shown me? The, what has he shown me? What he, has he failed to show you? I mean, he hasn't done a perfect job, but he's drafted plenty of productive he rubbed players. Me the wrong way immediately on his first draft. And I had a horrible first impression. When, Ziggy, I sat there in my Notre Dame apartment when we traded that pick to Detroit. And I thought we, when you moved down 14, what was it 16 spots, 18 in the draft? I, I was like, oh my God, we absolutely fleece these guys. We got Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth out of that. And we were like high-fiving the next day. It, it, neither of them have done anything for us. They passed on Hamilton. I've had a bad taste. The Hawkinson trade, phenomenal. Everything else that he's done in the draft, I'm like, eh. Oh, yeah, the Jordan Addison pick and Mikai Blackman. Other, eh. other than Addison. Other than Addison, sorry. I mean, eh, it's okay. You know, I liked Pace, but we didn't draft him. So it was an undrafted free agent. It was a good sign. Oh, yeah. He doesn't deserve credit for signing Pace because he didn't literally take him in the draft. Yeah, okay. Look, I I, I think he's done an okay job. I don't really trust him that much. Though. Yeah, but I just, I, you, when you say there's no way I trust him, that makes me think that you've got a negative impression of him. Yeah, I, I do have a negative justified. impression. He's Did done a fine job. He has done a fine he job. He botched the biggest pick he's had. He's done a fine job. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I, I don't trust. Maybe I'm a little hard on him, but that's personal, personal issues. Okay. Casey Morgan, five, six, five, nine says this is kind of similar. We'll, we'll touch on this quick. What moves free agency trade draft? Would you like the Vikings to make this off season? And conversely, what moves from the other NFC North teams would concern you? Uh, concerning. Uh, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> Look, the move that's going to happen that I'm concerned about is Caleb Williams going to Chicago. Cause I, I don't want to see the best quarterback in the draft class go to the Bears. And now we have to deal with Jordan Love, Caleb Williams, and the upstart Lions for the next five, ten years, whatever it may be. Detroit would be the team over that stretch I'm actually the least concerned about if Chicago gets Caleb. Um, so that's the most concerning piece to me. If the Packers go and upgrade their secondary now with Halfley, oh, that, no, yeah, the, that the concerns Pack, me. <laughs> I'm not worried about the Bears taking a quarterback because whoever they take, he's going to be bad. It's the Bears. <laughs> but if like Jordan Whitehead or Jordan Fuller signs of Green Bay, I mean, Jordan Fuller was so good with Halfley at Ohio State back in what was it, like 2019. Yeah. I would be really worried if the Packers go out and start getting a bunch of defensive upgrades. To yeah, go for I'm really worried about them upgrading their secondary and being and being very, very good. Um, and then for the Vikings, yeah, it's kind of what we just mentioned. Try and go after some defensive linemen. I don't know if they're going to make a move for a big name like Wilkins or anything like that. You don't need really to. You just need, to did. you just need productive players. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd really like to just hit on a couple guys in the draft um, on the defensive side of the ball. And then we'll see what happens at quarterback with, with Kirk. Zach T1998 says, spring training is about to start. Playoff predictions for baseball. Uh, if Jack were here, we would have a much more in-depth answer. I'm not really a big baseball guy myself anymore, I'm, but I'm a Yankee fan. 
Uh, and with Juan Soto, I'm going to just say the Yankees are going to make a run to the World Series and beat the Phillies. So yeah, that's all nice, I mean. nice, nice try. <laughs> yeah, I know he's going to be like, yeah, okay, sure. Um, this is the year the Dodgers get it done. Yeah, dude. Yeah, with Otani now. Oh God, that's probably the right pick. Okay, Merle says, who's going to going to be the biggest bust in this year's draft besides Caleb Williams? Probably pandering to Jack a little bit there. Uh, as it's kind of hard to just predict the draft bust. I do think one of those three quarterbacks that comes second uh, in the second round of quarterbacks with Penix, Bo Nix, and McCarthy. I do think one of them will be taken a little too early. Uh, and it's looking like that might be McCarthy right now. I know you like him, Ziggy, but I'm worried that someone's going to take McCarthy early. And I, I just don't have a lot of faith in him right now. Uh, I have to do, I have to watch more tape, but he, he would be my pick at the moment. For me, um, my, the player who concerns me the most that's being talked about a whole lot is actually Byron Murphy Jr. Byron Murphy. I said Brown before. Yeah. Byron Murphy is the other guy I was thinking. That, that's yeah, a lot I of mean, people are, are worried about him. I get why people are excited about him, but you talk about his ability as a pass rusher, a defensive tackle, and the two concerns that people have about it are he struggles against athletic quarterbacks and he struggles in pass rush because he's like it's easy. To, he loves tackling for ankles. That's not good. He's not especially fast. And in the modern NFL, right, whatever team drafts you in order to go on a Super Bowl run, in order to be a, one of those elite defensive tackles, you need to be able to at least pressure athletic quarterbacks. And I don't think he can do it. So the, I get why people are excited about him. There's a lot to watch, but I am not convinced he's going to be. Any There's good. boom or bust potential with Byron Murphy. But uh, if he can get the technique together, yeah, he he's could so be awesome. Good. He could be, he could be just, really good. I hate drafting players that have terrible technique because you just hope they'll figure it out at the higher level. Then we have X Pomsky X six, two, three, six says, why would drafting Caleb Williams change Chicago at all? When the coaching staff has shown they have the inability to properly develop a quarterback like Justin Fields, as we saw more development of love this year alone than we have seen Fields since he got drafted. Well, Go ahead. first of all, the bears got a new offensive coordinator. Second of all, we have no idea if they can't develop quarterbacks. They had one quarterback not do well with them. It might like sometimes guys just bust. Sometimes they're just not as good as we think. And like Luke Getze, clearly people around the NFL don't think that the offense was his fault. It's very, it's very difficult to know just on the base of college production who's going to be a good quarterback. So I am not convinced that just because Justin Fields wasn't good they aren't going to do well with a quarterback. And regardless, Justin Fields is never going to be that guy. You've got to take someone new and hope you can make it work. Yeah, when you compare Fields and Love as well, Justin Fields, a lot of his problems was was as a passer and whether or not he would progress as a passer. It was the same issues going into each offseason. Is he going to grow? Is he going to grow? At some point, you have to kind of accept him for who he is, a great rushing threat who every now and then can get hot as a passer, but usually he's going to be off. Jordan you Love, on the other hand, yeah, yeah Jordan, Jordan Love, you know, ha- had this great turnaround midseason, and like, he's a much better natural thrower of the football than Justin Fields to begin with. Yeah, like when people talk about Tom Clements as like a savant who can make any quarterback elite, let me be clear: if Tom Clements could do that, he would be getting paid fifty million dollars a year <laughs> because he would be worth as much as an elite quarterback. But it's just coaching can only do so much if the player is not good enough. The player's not good enough. 
And I think the case of Justin Fields is just it didn't work out. It happens sometimes. Yeah. Last thing on this, Caleb Williams, too. When I watch him play, I know that this year was worse than his Heisman year. But I really, I really think that this dude is going to be special. You just watch him in the pocket so many times. <laughs> I mean, his maneuverability around the pocket and ability to avoid sacks is, is going to be top-notch in the NFL. I really do think that the ceiling is a Mahomes type of player. Like that's a, I know it's a crazy comp, but that's the most accurate comp you can really make for Caleb Williams with the way he plays football. And that's why I think you know, another good natural thrower of the football completely different player from Justin Fields. I'd be super excited as a Bears fan if he were coming in, especially with DJ Moore, maybe a couple other weapons that they could get him. I, I think the kid's going to be good. Ryan Smithy 5787 says, there's a lot of excitement surrounding Jeff Halfley. It still sounds like Greg Halfley to me. Do you think he improves the Packers defense enough to make the Super Bowl next year? Yeah, that's a, it, that's a really big time, <laughs> big time. Yeah, I mean, the answer is no, because it's very unlikely any team makes the Super Bowl next. Yeah, year. The, the answer would be no. But I do expect the Packer defense to take a step forward from where they were this past year. I mean, it's it's hard, hard not to from the middle of the season, the way that they looked. But it, yeah, if they do take that step forward, it really comes down to Jordan Love again to me. Jordan Love was an MVP level quarterback the second half of the season. If you don't get that from him, this team is not, you know, they're, they're, they might not be a top five team in the NFC. So it starts with Jordan Love playing you know, top level quarterbacking again. And then from there, yeah, if the defense takes that step up, of course they're a Super Bowl worthy team because this year, I, I think they would have gone to the Super Bowl if, if a couple things, like maybe one thing goes different in the 49ers game, had 10 different things that could have happened. Uh, yeah, they were probably on their way. So I, I, I do think the defense will take a step forward with Halfley and, and be fun to watch. It's a more aggressive defense that he runs. No, it's not going to be fun to watch. Jordan Fuller is going to sign with the Packers. He's going to take off. He's going to show why the Rams did so well with him and the Packers are going to do great. <laughs> Sorry, it's it'll be over. fun to watch for Packers fans. Okay, and a couple more to close out here from our good friend XX McLovin XX, who's now, as he noted, He's, uh, he's been the last question or questions for three weeks in a row. He's got a few here. He says, all right, time for my trio of questions. One meme and two serious. One, how much should I bet on Jordan Love winning MVP next year? And do you think he will achieve it? Gotta win the big money. Well, I took a look at this right here. Jordan Love is currently, this is unbelievable. Insane. Seventh in next year's MVP odds right now, plus 1,400. He is only behind Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, CJ Stroud, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Herbert. Oh my god. Are you god. kidding me? Oh, it's it sucks to read Jordan Love's name followed by those six quarterbacks I just said. Oh, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Um okay, what's your question? How much should I bet on Love winning MVP? Yeah, it's worth a sprinkle, I guess, if you want. Like, I I don't like betting on any no, MVP no, guy. Well, on any MVP MVP guy, is just we saw it this year. This is, it's this is an a unpredictable question award. from McLovin. I just, it's unbelievable that Jordan Love is in the MVP. This is a troll that's, question that's from McLovin. I don't like it at all. Yeah, put $5 on it, see what happens. That's, no, you know what? No, put your life savings on yeah, it. I yeah, hope yeah. you why, lose why, all why, of why, it. Why, why don't you throw like $200 on Jordan Love to win to win uh, MVP next year? Look, he, he's got a shot, if we're going to be realistic. Like, he has a shot if he plays anything like he did. I, we said he would have been the second half of the year MVP if such a, an, an award existed. With that receiving core only getting better, that's the hope. Um, yeah, he's got a shot because the Packers could end up as a, a one or two seed next year if if everything goes according to plan, which is a huge if, but 
It's worth a little sprinkle if you're a Packer fan. Two, let's say Kirk does not move. I still can't believe Jordan Love MVP. Two, let's say Kirk does move on away from the Vikings. What would be their plan moving forward? And would they be forced to draft or trade for a quarterback? What would the fallout be for Justin Jefferson, et cetera? So first of all, Justin Jefferson's re-signing no matter what. We're going to pay him the money. That's the guaranteed money issue, but he'll be a Viking. Next. Yeah, so otherwise, I mean, what's what's the plan if Kirk moves on? I don't think they're going to do a big trade up. I think they are going to scout the quarterbacks, see if they like any of them, hope the ones they like either follow them or get within close to striking range. You know, there are some teams in the NFL draft top 10 that won't be interested in the quarterback. Say you can move up, maybe not to three, but one of the later picks in the like eight, nine, 10, there's a few spots up there. What trying the to do it eight or nine. What do you want to do there? <laughs> I mean, you might just be interested in moving up because you're worried about someone else taking your guy. If we trade up to eight or nine for JJ McCarthy, I'm going to put my fists through a wall. Look, it's moving up from like 11 to nine or is not that expensive. You can move up with Tennessee to seven, jump the Falcons like there are some opportunities there. I'm just saying like we're not trading up for a big. We're not trading up big, but regardless, See, what? You, you know, I I don't know why, Ziggy, but I really think when I look at the position of the Vikings right now, they've been waiting to hit reset for a long time. This has been a long time coming and I think O'Connell's ready for, you know, we're going to take this next step forward with O'Connell as our, our as our, our head coach here. We're, we're going to, if we don't re-sign Kirk, because that's what it says, let's say they, they move away from Kirk. You, you got to have someone you're confident in. I think they're going to swing for the fences. I, I really think they're going to go up to three and try and make a big move. I, that's, that's what I'm seeing. That That's just what it feels like to me. They tried we'll to do see. it for Richardson. It didn't work. It's going to come down to whether or not they can win. We don't know if they tried to do it for Richardson. It seems like they did. The rumor is that the Vikings offered to trade five first-round picks. Problem. Well. <laughs> you can only trade three first-round picks. So I don't believe that source, and that's the only source. Do I think they'll feel forced? No. no. Not forced, but I do think that this this regime feels like, all right, let's get our guy this year. Because that window with Jefferson, you know, it's it's not closing soon, but it's it, it comes up quicker than you expect. If there's not success relatively early in the second contract, he'll want to move on, I think. Yeah, and that that would just, you know, we're talking about one of the best receivers in the history of football, possibly, by the time it's all said and done. Okay, a couple more here, and then we're out of here. Three, why is there such a distaste for Purdy when he wins? The man had the stats and the games to showcase his talent at the position, but when he wins, it's because of the surrounding talent, and when he, when he loses, it's because he isn't the guy. Yet when Mahomes wins early on, and now it's all him, while he had Kelsey, arguably one of the greatest tight ends, Tyreek, one of the best receivers, and now a top three defense, and he doesn't receive the same criticism. McLovin, I'm not sure what to tell you other than the fact that Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is much better than Brock Purdy. Like well, you say, Brock Purdy is part of it. Yeah, like you. No, I, I'm getting there. You say that Brock Purdy has won a lot of games and put up good stats, and that's certainly right. But when you watch Brock Purdy's tape, and I've watched a fair amount because I've gone back and forth on this guy, what you see is a decent quarterback in a system designed for him to succeed. People praise his anticipation over and over again. His anticipation is bad. He just throws breaking routes because that's what Shanahan tells him to. You can tell when they're well covered, he throws them just the same as when they're not. Huge numbers of the plays, like... I get that the Chiefs generate yards after the catch, but so do the 49ers. And when it comes time, Purdy just can't make the same incredible athletic plays that some of the other top quarterbacks in the league can. So I'm not saying he's bad. He's a decent quarterback. 
there, he's probably overhated, but he's also overloved. The guy's just an okay player. Yeah, I would say a lot of the times when the 49ers do lose this year, it's because or how did lose this year, it was because Purdy was really bad. I mean, like, Purdy's like really, meltdowns. Really bad. Yeah, when no, things aren't going his way, he's not going. That to wasn't the get case in together. the Super Bowl. I didn't think that Purdy was horrible in the Super Bowl. You know, that was just a game, uh, you know, back and forth defensive game with an uh, exciting fourth quarter in overtime. Uh, but a lot of the losses, he was really bad in. Um, as far as the wins, he probably should have deserved a little more credit for some of the wins. But when you have McCaffrey and Debo taking, you know, jet sweeps at 70 yards for a touchdown, it's easy to be overlooked in that regard. So I will say, yes, Purdy can be overlooked in wins. Uh, but most of the time, the criticism and losses seems to be justified. Um, yeah, you, you explained it very well, Ziggy. Okay, last one here. He says, well, let's do a fourth because I'm feeling risky. We see Dak. This is frisky. Oh, well, sorry. I wrote, I wrote risky. Frisky. We see Dak year after year lose in the playoffs and get flack for it. Well received. Yet, when Rodgers couldn't win deep in the playoffs besides one year and couldn't get back to the Super Bowl, he doesn't receive the same level of flack. Is it because Rodgers did it once versus Dak never getting there? I'm I'm not sure if that well received is supposed to mean the criticism of Dak is like deserved or that's not. what I'm assuming it means. Maybe it means that it was in the past because Dak hasn't gotten criticism. But I mean, Dak has played pretty well in the playoffs. He hasn't been perfect, but he's played well enough. He's had a for couple Cowboys to win though. some games. I mean, Green sure Bay he has, but bad, most so. most quarterbacks have. That's just true. But I, yeah, yeah, I mean, the NFL is a results-driven league, and the discourse is this way for better and for worse. But the fact that Mahomes, or excuse me, that Aaron Rodgers has won one Super Bowl, what people are going to remember that run more than they're going to forget all of the horrendous stinkers he's put up. Yeah, the, the Super Bowl does mean a lot. If Aaron Rodgers didn't have a Super Bowl right now, all the talk about him going to the Jets last year would not have been, can he win a Super Bowl for the Jets? It would have been, can Rodgers win a Super Bowl with this Jets roster around him? And, and they, you know, it changes everything. Just one Super Bowl. It's kind of crazy that the legacy of one player can be impacted that much from from one trophy, but that's how it is. Um I mean, no one, no one's going to remember Aaron Rodgers refusing to scramble against the 49ers in that divisional game. Absolutely no one. I mean, think about what's the first thing when people say Dan Marino. It's, oh, he's one of the best quarterbacks ever. Never won a Super Bowl. That's legitimately one of the, the first things people say always about Dan Marino. Which yeah. is ridiculous Great because Dan Marino, yeah. Yeah, but it is ridiculous, but that's just the way it is. So, um, yeah, that, that's, I mean, Dak, I'll, I also don't think he's the caliber player that Aaron Rodgers is, so... Uh, you know, and on the Cowboys, a little more attention. So for Aaron Rodgers, when he hasn't shown up in games, yeah, he probably should get a little. Let me tell you, Aaron Rodgers is going to get ripped apart next year when it turns out he's not good anymore. All right. That's it for us on this show. A uh, AFC West and mailbag show. Zach, thanks for soldiering through this tonight. Tonight, We'll be back with, at some point this week, an NFC West show, and we'll continue the division breakdowns, but the mailbags are fun. We have a great time doing mailbags, so keep dropping those questions. Again, please like, comment, subscribe, and we'll see you next time on the Paul Farrington Show. 